Hello, Adrian here from the Sophist Group, and I'm joined today for episode 150 of China Manufacturing Decoded by Andrew Amanovin, who is our head of new product development and our resident testing expert as well. Andrew, hi. Hey, Adrian. Good to be here. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. I'm good. Quite enjoying diving into the uh, testing that uh, we've been focusing on recently in the podcast because Paul Paul was on talking about a number of important tests that uh, that importers should be considering a couple of weeks ago. But what we're discussing today is not one of the ones that he mentioned. So you're going to be taking us through ISTA testing, right? Yeah, a lot of our uh, new entrepreneurs who just dive in and get in a product going, all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden they face the reality of, okay, how am I going to package and how am I going to ship this product? And that's when mm-hmm. we hear from some of our customers that they ship their product and their package is completely damaged on the destination when they receive it or their, their packages are broken up uh, during the uh, shipment process. They're just all kinds of uh, distressful information we receive from some of our customers that are mm-hmm. pretty much, uh, uh, you know, in pain with, with what's happening to their product during the uh, transportation process. And, and I think that this is ISTA uh, process is going to help a lot of uh, people who, don't know anything about the transportation and how it can be really harmful uh, for their product packaging. Yeah, well, if you've gone through the whole new product development and manufacturing process, which is, we've spoken about it before, it's a complex process. There's a million different things that can go wrong. So if you finally got to the point where you've mass produced a great product, everything's fine, you don't want attrition to that when just just on something as simple as the packaging was not up to uh, up to the job of getting it say you know over to america or europe or wherever it's going australia you know in one piece that's uh, that seems crazy right so we definitely want to be avoiding that yeah absolutely i totally agree with you i mean it would be insane that you spend so much money and time uh, on inventing a new product and now you develop that you're all excited about to ship mm. and all of a sudden you know you hear that uh, they didn't arrive in one piece um, so for that reason uh, I would, I'd like to introduce to some of our new listeners and and some of our listeners who or some of our readers of blogs that they don't know much mm-hmm. about uh, ISTA. ISTA yeah. is a uh, international standard uh, basically for transportation they do all, a lot of other stuff too but ISTA stands for international safe transit association uh it's mm-hmm. a well-known company around the world their website is ista.org and they have three standards for transportation that i really like and i would like to introduce it to our uh readers and listeners and the one that I believe is the main one that almost everyone who is shipping a product at the least must go with that is ISTA 2A. So they have mm. three standards, ISTA 1A, ISTA 2A, and ISTA 3A. 
is that one A actually all three of them are uh, well designed for packages that are less than 150 pounds or less, uh, meaning like less than uh, 68 kilogram. And and that's really a good size package. 150 pound is not a a lightweight, small package. It's more like medium size package. And I think it applies for many of, you know, small consumer electronics. It could be for laptops, mobile phones. It could be anything the size of 10 by 10 or less or slightly. Mm. So it's a good size and it's a great test. Now, what's the difference between the 1A and 2A and 3A? This is, this is where a lot of the uh, engineers get lost and they're not, they're not sure really which one should I use. Now, one thing mm. I should really talk about right now before I, before our listeners or readers get confused. Now, ISTA 2A is, uh, the whole ISTA 1A, 2A, 3A, all three of these are for product package or box that you actually, you know, like a carton box where you put all your packages in the product and then you put them inside this one big box or medium box and you want to ship it somewhere. That's what Mm. we talked about, testing the box. Not testing the actual product itself, which may or may not be inside some kind of packaging or box. So we're talking about the actual carton box where inside it, you may have 24, 32, 54 uh, of your products within either some kind of lightweight plastic or some kind of, you know, uh, boxes. But then you put all of that into a bigger box so you can ship and put these bigger boxes on a crate, right? And then, uh, and then ship them through, uh, you know, uh, either by, uh, by sea or by air, uh, by train. And this is where yep. these boxes will experience, will experience, uh, serious transportation, uh, issues. Um, one mm-hmm. of which is very common. And that is the temperature and humidity. So these boxes are loaded into big, huge containers. And these containers sit outside uh, no matter what the season is. It could be summertime and in the dead of the heat. Uh, and inside these boxes could be in excess of 100 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes in excess of uh, 70 degrees uh, Celsius. And, and that wow. temperature alone, uh, if your product has not been through extreme temperature testing, could actually damage your product. Hmm. And not to mention the humidity. You know, if uh, uh, it's springtime, there's a lot of rain outside, humidity could go up to 80%. And the humidity hmm. could go through these containers and uh, actually get into your boxes and maybe even to your product. Not only could damage the product, but these boxes could get uh, kind of, you know, soft and uh, lose their um, uh, uh, strength. And next thing you know, they're basically falling apart because of that. Yep. And then, of course, there is the temperature and humidity. But also, what about the movement and the vibration that all these uh, containers go through? 
when they're, uh, you know, inside the, the boat or inside the airplane or the train, you know, bumps, mm. all of these vibrations really is going to uh, get to your product at some point. Uh, and it could damage your product, you know, some of the components maybe, or some of the screws could come up loose. Sure, and then the other sure. thing could, oh yeah, screws are very famous. You know, if you got vibration, definitely watch the screws come up um, mm-hmm. by magic. Yeah. And um, then of course there is the, the famous, uh, you know, the guys who are delivering your, your product, they're going to drop it. Right. They're just going to drop it right in front of your house. And mm. you have no idea what side they're going to drop, t- top side, left side, right side, angle, and the mm-hmm. corner side. And what's going to happen is that they're going to damage the either the package or the product inside it. So mm. it's very critical that you you know our, our listeners and readers actually go and visit the site, ista.org. And uh, learn about is the 1A, 2A, and 3A. And our recommendation is for at the minimum, uh, you should do is the 2A. Now let's uh, look at the differences. Mm-hmm. So is the 1A does not really do a lot of, let's say, heavy simulation of uh, real transportation issues. However, it does do the bare minimum, which I think it's still great. Better than nothing. If if you yep. have money or uh, or time or uh, you know, it's something that ev- everyone should do at the least minimum. ESA one A, and they basically you do humidity testing, vibration testing, and then shock testing, which basically is a drop testing. And there's two kinds: you do incline drop and also horizontal drop. And, and I think, again, uh, it's not simulating in terms of the specification for these, uh, the realistic, real-life, you know, drop, real-life, you know, because everything is kind of on the low side, just so that, you know, you have at least a minimum uh, test done. However, mm-hmm. if you go to the 2A, it's not 100% simulation, right? But it's at least 50 or 50% or more. And, and that's the let's say the benefit of ISTA 2A. Uh, it's kind of like the middle ground, uh, less cost for testing, less maybe damage for your box in case you feel, okay, my box is strong enough. Uh, so, but still there's that little bit of risk you're taking because it's not 100% simulation. And uh, again, it's the same for any packages, 150 pounds or less. 68 kilogram or less. And in the ISTA 2A, you do a lot more tests. And a lot of the tests are geared towards real life scenarios. So for example, mm-hmm. there's temperature and humidity uh, done. Uh, there's um, a controlled temperature humidity. So there are two, two kinds of temperature humidity. One is at uh, atmospheric uh, condition and, and the other one is more of a uh, ambient and real real life situation. Then there is the compression test, which I really like. This is the one when you test how fast the box is going to buckle by, you know, compressing from both both ends of the box. And this mm. 
this is more like a, a real life scenario when you've when you're stacking up all these boxes on top of each other, the the pressure and the weight of the boxes add up. And next thing you know, <laughs> the bottom boxes are given up. And uh, basically, you know, you can just imagine what happens when they buckle. Uh, all that weight is going to go on top of your pro- your product inside the box and they're going to be damaged. And of course, there is a vibration. Vibration is supposed to be testing at least at 1.5 or 1. Point, I think is 1.2 G level. You know, this is GRMS, like the kind of a G force that you can kind of experience. That is actually one of the lowest Gs, but still better than zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. that would help your product to vibrate and hopefully, and, and this is typically a random vibration. And uh, there's also another test called shock test. Again, it's a drop test uh, that is done on inclined impact, but as well as horizontal impact. The height depends on the type of the products you have. And uh, there's a minimum of a point, 0.5 uh, meter, half a meter, but then it can go up to uh, 1.5 meter depending on the product and uh, depending on the willingness, how, how you want to test your product to ensure um, uh, its quality. And then there's another kind of uh, vibration and that, you know, it, it's slightly different and that it's done. But by the way, th- there's one important thing about these tests that I want to tell you that it's really, really important. These tests have to be done in sequence. This is probably one of the most important mistakes or misunderstandings that uh, a lot of people uh, who do these tests don't understand it. If you do these tests out of sequence, this test is not valid. And the reason is because as a reliability expert, I know and I can tell you that who, the, the guys who designed this test, they were very, very uh, wise and very experienced in reliability. What the sequence does is that it shows you logically uh, what is going on if like, for example, third sequence fails or fifth sequence sequence fails. There are six tests here. That means six sequences. And you have to start from one and you have to go sequence two. You can't go from one to six and the one to four and do it all in random. Then your whole logic of what you're doing will be no good. So that's why there's two vibration. There is a vibration before drop test and then there's vibration after drop test and the the logic about that is that okay uh your movements is happening during the transportation and then things drop now let's see do another movement vibration to see if anything really uh damaged it excessively that this last vibration will bring out those and will show you uh the defects and the, and the failures. If you don't do it in this order, you may not see those defects and uh, failures. I'm glad I remembered that. That is that the sequence is one of the most important features of this test. So there is another uh, version. It's called ISTA 3A. And let me tell you why I like this one also, but it may be a little bit overkill for some products and maybe perfectly right for some others. So you just need mm-hmm. to 
choose this based on your product type. Now, ISO3A also is for uh, packages less than 150 pounds or 70, 70 kilograms, 68 kilograms. However, this one is for full simulation of actual transportation issues that could happen. And then because you're simulating, then you'll, you'll find issues, you'll fix it, and then you should almost have zero issues when it comes to packaging. This one is very thorough, very detailed. Uh, it has slightly more tests than, uh, for example, uh, ISTA 2A. ISTA 2A. ISTA 1A, if you recall, there were three tests. ISTA 2A had six sequence tests, right? Mm-hmm. Guess how many tests ISTA 3A has? Exactly to 11 tests, which is almost double ISTA 2A. So from cost point of view, there's more tests. So it's going to be expensive. It's going to take more time. But from quality and reliability point of view, if you got a fragile product inside a box and you want to assure that it's going to get to the destination without any kind of buckling or any issues, I would say this is the right test for you. That's why for typical uh, consumer electronics and or typical consumer products, I would say ISTA2A is sufficient and it's well balanced in terms of cost, in terms of uh, durability that it offers for your product test. I, I would say definitely go with that. But ISTA3A with 11 sequence tests uh, really gives you a uh, simulation of tests. And there, there is, of course, temperature and humidity. There is drop and random vibration. There's two different kinds of random vibration. Uh, the, one of them actually simulates trucks, air, and, uh, you know, and train. Uh, there's different kind of drop tests. And there is a uh, rotational shock test in case what happens if you if uh, the product is rotating in a, in a heavy way and how how could it impact. So, uh, and then there is, of course, uh, impact test and uh, yeah, so I, I really like this one, but I definitely prefer ISTA 2A for a uh, majority of your test needs. I think it would just be just fine. My one question at this point, I suppose, is this this seems like it's almost essential. So is it actually mandatory to do it? Uh, excellent question. Actually, it is not mandatory. Uh, and uh, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But mm. we totally uh, strongly recommend that you do it uh, because you just do it one time uh, per product type that you're going to have per packaging type and and then and then that's it and then you have uh, peace of mind that your product is going to be okay or mm. it's going to fail and you're going to find the issues and you're going to fix it and then you're going to be uh, okay that hey thank god that I that I did test it mm. okay so you've covered those uh, the different ISTA tests and you've shown why 2A is perhaps a good option for many, many importers. I think a big question that a lot of the listeners are going to be thinking is, okay, that's fine. Uh, we get why it's important. What would it cost though? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Well, ISTA 1A definitely costs less than possibly maybe 
$500 or around $500. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's a feasible test for most, you know, products that are not very expensive and uh, you don't really need total, let's say, good quality at the end. You know, so um, if you don't have a very uh, high-priced product, I think it's the 1A will be just fine. But it's the mm-hmm. 2A is slightly more tests, uh, more structured to simulate transportation. I think uh, r- ranges anywhere from uh, $600 to $1,500, depending on the uh, uh, type of product you want and and maybe you want them to do additional tests and so forth. So, or you want them a little bit to do less tests. So it's it all up to up to you. Uh, it's your product, mm-hmm. and you you're testing to see if if your product is going to make it to to the destination. So between six hundred to fifteen hundred. However, when you go with Easter three A, uh, it's gonna jump in the price considerably. It could it could go range from uh, one thousand US US dollar up to. 3500 depending on uh, who tests, where it's being tested, and the kind of product you have. And uh, if you have a very complex, you know, high-priced product um, or medical product, for per se, for example, electronic, medical electronics, and or test a measurement product that, you know, damaging could take the product out of calibration. So if you have very important product, I would definitely do Easter three A, and I think that if you have a high price product, thirty three thousand thirty five hundred, probably not uh, a huge cost for ensuring your package to arrive without any kind of damages. Mm. As testing goes, then actually this type of testing, although really critical for helping to get your product to its destination in one piece, is relatively affordable. I, I would say so. I, I think depending on the type of the product you have, this cost is definitely affordable. I, you know, there is one more thing that I'd like to say. You know, some yep. uh, some of our customers might say, well, okay, I did the Easter 2A and I have a report and it says it passed the test. What, is mm. that? what does that mean to me? Mm, good point. Well, I would say, well, it means peace of mind. It means that your packages the carton, the material on the carton and the strengths of your carton is strong enough that you should have technically no issues are of package shipment, you know, to the, all the way to the destination from manufacturing mm-hmm. all the way to destination. Now, right. a little disclaimer, there's always right. possibility of humans in the middle that are handling the packages could actually damage uh, the packages and or some uh, uh, unintended situations that, for example, the package could get wet uh, on the bottom, uh, you know, while you're laying on the ground. And then when you mm-hmm. pick it up, it could just, you know, fall apart. That is really mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the fact that the package was tested. So there's a lot of yeah. other things could happen that could impact packages being damaged during the transportation that may not have anything to do with the package strengths or uh, ESA testing. So that's one caveat. In general, though, we're we're, we're reducing risks here. 
Exactly. That's the whole point of doing this test, making sure yeah. that you don't have any issues while transportation, mm -hmm. because these are, if you have issues during the transportation, you're going to have all kinds of heavy cost issues because you have to pay someone to pick up the pieces and put them all back mm -hmm. together. And then you have to go back, try and get the uh, new packaging. And honestly, it, you, you really don't want to be in that situation. Some of our customers might come back and say, well, I did this stuff to a test and now it failed. What mm -hmm. next? Well, the first question I, I would ask is what sequence did it fail? For example, if it failed right at the beginning, well, definitely you have a very, very weak packaging and, uh, you know, the carton that you've chosen is not suitable for shipment and you immediately need to get, get with some consultancy in terms of, uh, uh, what type of carton box you should choose. Um, however, if it passed all the way to the number six sequence, but only on the last one it failed, yeah, maybe I would consider that a pass. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? So, yes. um, yeah, if it passed all the critical tests, like compression tests and the drop test and the first vibration, no issues. The drop test after that, no issues. But up the last vibration, it failed. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Again, there's this test is not mandatory. It just gives you information about your packaging. However, mm. if it did fail on the vibration and you're nervous about it, then you just fix it by going with a carton that is slightly thicker and more stronger. And that should resolve the problem. When should we start thinking about packaging and and uh, cotton box choices? Yeah, the best time to do it is uh, uh, right before mass mass production starts, right in parallel when the last build is being done for the product. And the, like, let's say for example, two three months before, I'd say two months before the mass production starts. It's an mm. ideal time to think about what kind of carton packaging you want. Because, mm. you know, two months before mass production is just the right time when the product shape and form and weight and design is coming to an end. Basically, you know what the product is going to look like, how it's going to function. You might even have a box already made for it. You know, individual box, for example, if we talk about Apple um, iPhone, so you have mm -hmm. the iPhone box already made. You know what the size and shape is going to be, the weight of the box. And you then mm -hmm. uh, start choosing uh, how many of those, making a decision with the team, how many of those are you going to put and place inside one big box, right? And then how many mm -hmm. of those boxes on a crate? Right. Mm. This is how you, you basically plan the whole thing because it has to fit the crate. Otherwise, <laughs> they either can't pick it or they can't put it somewhere. It, it'll be a non-standard size. Mm -hmm. Okay. So once you have decided how many of those boxes would get into a box, now your box size has been determined, you know, small, medium or large, whatever. And the dimensions, you know, uh, mm. 
for example, 20 by 10 by 15, whatever, you know, size has been determined. Now the box strength, there are many box uh, manufacturers, you know, carton manufacturers online that you can actually go to their website and they, they will have a guide, a guide that would say, okay, how, uh, how much your box is going to weigh. And, uh, in, in, and basically it will give you a guideline of what kind of, like, should it be two layer box or three layer, mm-hmm. four layer, uh, you know, and, and that determines the strengths of each box. Mm. And once they have determined the box type, then, you know, by the time the production starts, they know which vendor is going to provide the boxes and they know they have a procedure written how at the end of the production, how they're going to lay those uh, individual iPhone boxes inside uh, the big box. And then, you know, once they put it in, how are they going to package it and label it at the end of, you know, the, the each big box um, according to the transportation rules. And then once everything is done, they will weigh the box and make sure that yet nothing's missing. Um, mm. And then they will ship it through, uh, yeah, the process. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's also, am I correct in saying that when you actually do the testing, you're going to use actual samples of your product. So if we, you, you refer to Apple iPhones, for example, these are the phone. It comes in its retail packaging, which is a very fancy, you know, colored cardboard box. Uh, they're actually quite small these days. So you're going to get a whole bunch of those and put those in the actual packaging that you're testing, right? Because you want to have the exact boxes and the exact weight of the products in there when you're testing. Is is that right? That is an awesome question. Thank you for bringing that up. A lot of people make a mistake and they think that, well, I'm just testing the carton box. I can just put some uh, empty boxes inside. Uh, mm. I can just put some other products inside. Uh, I can put pieces of rocks inside. Uh, <laughs> no, it really doesn't work that way. This is a real life test. And mm. whatever product that you're trying to ship, yes, Apple iPhone each is $1,000, but trust me, I, uh, Apple actually does put real iPhones inside those boxes and yep. they really run them through impact tests and drop tests. And if any of those iPhones damages, they are lucky that they caught it. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get one or two iPhones damaged this way rather than a whole bunch of them <laughs> damaged because you didn't catch that issue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're probably talking about hundreds rather than millions or something like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and not to mention yeah, yeah. Uh, how, what kind of money you have to spend to kind of fix the issues. Mm. Yeah, that's that's all clear so far. We've covered most of the important points here, even down to carton types that you might be selecting. I mean, when we look at packaging types, we have actually written a long guide on Sophiest about the types of packaging. It's one of our more popular pieces of content, actually. So I'll include the link to that in the uh, in the show notes. One more thing, uh, it yes. is, I think it's worth mentioning here to our uh, listeners and readers, is that all this information is just based on uh, you know my experience working mm-hmm. in the industry. The, all these information should help 
guide them through and find their mm-hmm. way and and then by understanding sure. these it should help them to do the right test mm-hmm. we're not saying that you have to do 1a or mm-hmm. 2a or 3a we're just saying for some guideline giving you so it help it mm-hmm. should help you to make the yeah. right Right. Well, I think when you're trying to decide which type of testing is important for your product, and I don't only mean transport testing like this for, for packages in transit, I mean any testing, I suppose you would always recommend that it's good to go out and speak to experts and, you know, and actually pay experts to help you to go through the options and to devise for example, to devise a suitable testing plan for your products and things like that. And and that would include getting advice on ISTA. But yeah, what you're doing today, you're just giving some uh, some introduction to it. Yeah, I, I think that um, uh, a good, let's say, very experienced reliability engineer should mm-hmm. have some information about this. But in case you have a product and you're trying to ship or write, write about, the, you know, to produce it, Contact us and yep. we'll see what kind of product you have. And then we'd be glad to help you through. Nice. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. That's a great introduction to ISTA. And again, check the show notes, please. I'll leave some links to content that we've created about it. And as Andrew says, if you want to get in touch with us and talk about testing for packages or, or for, for any other types of testing or anything else, you know where to go, right? Sophies.com. And uh, we'll be happy to give you some friendly advice. So to all the listeners, thanks for tuning in once again. And to Andrew, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Adrian. Really appreciate it. See you next time. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.